John. John chapter 3 and the 16th verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm going to use as a topic, last week I looked at the first words I read, so I'm going to look at the last words I read. Everlasting life. Father, I come in Jesus' name, and Lord, I just thank you for this time we have, and Lord, I just pray for your spirit to move upon me and help me. And Lord, I thank you for the joy of the Lord. I thank you for the testimonies and songs of salvation and how wonderful it is to be saved. And Lord, as I look into your word, let us know even more how wonderful it is to be saved. And Lord, let us know the joys of everlasting life. Lord, ask your help and grace upon me and upon all of us upon me as I share your word and upon all of us as we receive your word and take it into our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week as we looked at this verse a little more detail, looking at how God so loved the world, and in discussing that and looking at it, we had some discussion, or I, I guess I presented the aspect of who is his love for when it's for the world? Is it, is it for everybody? Is it for a select few? And, and, the, and, and that couples with him giving his only begotten son. Because there are those who say, well, God loves the world. And then you have what was, is, and we looked at this last week, universalism, meaning that every, God loves the world so everybody will be saved which we refuted, and I'll get to that in a moment. But then you get to those who say, well, that's because Christ died, and there's the scriptures that say Christ died for the church, or he died for the sheep, the chosen, the elect. And so therefore, that's what's known as limited atonement, meaning that he didn't die for the whole world. In his foreknowledge, he knew who was going to be... uh, He knew who was going to follow him and believe in him, so his death was only for the the, the church. He died for the church, and he died for the sheep, and those scriptures are certainly there. But what I brought out is the doctrine of unlimited atonement, which is not universalism. Universalism means everybody's saved. It don't matter. The devil's saved. Limited atonement means that there are those who are predestined and therefore they're saved and that's who he died for. Unlimited atonement means everyone has the opportunity to have salvation, but it's only effective in those who believe on him. For God so loved the world, unlimited atonement, that he, he commended his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the whole world, that whosoever believes on him, and that's where the effectiveness is. So it's not limited. Anybody can receive this, but it's not universal in the sense that you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. You have to believe on him. And so... We looked at that in great detail last week, and then I kind of started the end, but 
Because so for, so for those, because of God's great love, he gave his son. He commended that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so through faith in him, then that love becomes effective. And then this is the result of that salvation that we've talked about, testified of, sung about, uh, heard, heard a hymn story about, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So what does this, what does this mean about perishing? Should not perish. Well, perish by Webster's definition means to destroy, to uh, eliminate, to make non-existent. And that's where, that's where you'll hear the, hear of the doctrine of annihilation. The annihilationists, and I'll go ahead and let you know I'm not an annihilationist. I don't believe that to be the accurate. But they'll look at the word perish and they will say, you see, if you perish, that means it goes out of existence. And the belief on that looks at this and it says, God is so merciful and God's so love and so loving. And I'm not going to disagree with them on that. I know God's mercy because I've, I've received a whole lot of it. And I know God's love because he has given me so much of it. He has shown me his love and mercy like, like I can't imagine anybody knows. I'm sure we all do, but. So I don't disagree with that part. But they say, so as a result, he would never send anyone to a place of eternal torment with you know, just the sins they, the temporary sins they've committed in this life. That they would have torment forever and forever and forever. And so when they hear this word perish, they're saying, it is to annihilate, it is to put out of existence. You will not perish. What you don't get is you don't get to continue on with God forever and ever. You'll be annihilated. And that's what annihilationism is. And there, there is some debate on that and scholars debate on this. I don't think it's the more prevalent doctrine and I don't subscribe to it. But that's what they look at when they talk about, when they talk about perishing. But here's the other thing in Webster's definition that it means to die. You'll not die. Oh, we're all, we'll all die, but that doesn't mean that that's different from everlasting life. Well, I'm going to look at that here in a moment. But, I, but, but I want, I want to consider it from the, the standpoint of, uh, uh, which is the, the Greek word here, perish, which translates perish many times in the King James Version. It also translates destroy. And it also translates die. Example of that, it would be, would be when, uh, Caiaphas was talking about Jesus and, and, and he was saying, it would be better that one man should die, that one man should die, or Apollo me, perish, be destroyed for the people. Well, what did he mean? That he should be put out of existence? Well, only from this life. 
He, he wasn't saying that the man should be put. He was saying that he die. And so it translated die. That he should be put to death. That Jesus should be put to death instead of the Romans come and putting us all to death. That's what he was meaning. And so, so he was using that same Greek word used here to simply talk about dying. Or even when it talks about King Herod in Matthew chapter 2 where he, where it says that, that he, he looked to, he looked for the child to destroy him. Well, what, what was he looking to do? He was looking to put the child, which he did then to all the children two years old and up, to death. To put them to death. He wasn't looking to end their existence except in this life. So it can also mean not the aspect of it exists no more, but just simply to die. To die. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. And verse 24 says this, the disciple, the disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, in other words, they're saying of Jesus that he was, he was of the devil. He was, you know, he was wicked. He was evil. He was of evil. They say that of the church nowadays, which he's saying. How much more shall they call them of his household? He says, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And this is what I want to bring out. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. So you can kill the body, but you can't kill the soul. But rather fear him. Fear him. Let me put emphasis on that because I'm going to go there shortly. Fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, the annihilation will still say, yes, yeah, see, the body and soul are both going to be destroyed. <laughs> but I'm just simply saying it's, it's, it, it's not only talking about the destruction or killing of, of the body, but also the soul. The soul. And that's what I want to look at as I turn to Revelation chapter 22. And that, again, the annihilationists will talk about I'm, I'm sorry, 20, Revelation 20. 22 is the last chapter. But they'll say that's the purpose of the lake of fire. It burns, it burns people up. They cease to exist. But when you look at it, that does not seem to be what, what the, what the purpose or the function of the lake of fire is. 
Because when I look at it, in Revelation 20 and verse 7 it says, And when the thousand years were expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil, this this 10th verse is important. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. So they're cast into the lake of fire, a place of torment forever and ever. Well, that's the devil and and uh, and the beast and the false prophet. That doesn't mean that's for the that's for the the wicked uh, living. Well, where do they go? Verse eleven. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Well, my works weren't going to measure up. I don't know about yours. Well, I do know about yours. All sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. None of our works measured up. It says, verse 14, or verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death or the second perishing, or the second destroying. So you see, that's why I've spent all that time talking about perishing doesn't mean to be totally annihilated. It can mean death. Here is the second death. Perishing means a second death. What is the second death? The lake of fire. That's perishing. So shall not perish means the lake of fire. How, how, how long was the lake? What happened in the lake of fire concerning, uh, uh, the devil and the false prophet and the beast? They're tormented day and night. For how long? Forever and ever. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which takes me one other place. And that's Matthew. Chapter 25. And I'm just reading one verse. It's verse 46. Because this is eschatological. Matthew 24, 25. People know that as an eschatological portion of Scripture where Jesus was talking about the end times. And how does he conclude it? In Matthew 25, 46, he says, And these shall go away into... What kind of punishment is that? Everlasting Everlasting punishment. That's not annihilation. 
That's not ceasing to exist. That's everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that's the portion of, of John 3.16 we're looking at. It's summarized right there in, in Matthew 46. So what does it mean to perish? It means these shall go away into not annihilation, not, well, you just, you just don't get to continue on in life for, with the Lord forever. You'll be done. You're just done. You're dead. You're done. God, God will, the lake of fire is just simply utter destruction. You're done. And a lot of people who, the atheists who believe when you're dead, you're dead. No. 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 Everlasting punishment. The righteous to eternal life. These are going away to everlasting punishment. Just like, just like the devil and the false prophet and the beast, they are going to be tormented forever and ever. Everlasting punishment. Which brings me to a question that many times is asked. Why, the, why does God allow evil in the world? Especially when the atheists, and I, I've, I've made mention of this before, and I've only dealt with half the equation. And I'm going to deal with the other half of the equation right now. And that is when, when the atheist would make the question, ask the question and say, if there's a God, why is there evil in the world? And the, the assumption behind that is if God's so loving, then why doesn't he see what happens to the, to the people by evil people and do something about it? If he's all loving and so powerful, why didn't he do something? And I always bring out, well, he has done something. And that he's given us his own son, Jesus Christ. You can be saved by a washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit and stop being evil and doing evil. And if everybody got saved and regenerated, they'd stop being evil and doing evil. Well, there's another side to this. God has done something else. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 4. It says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Let me say that again. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. That's the half of the equation I always talk about when I say, why is there evil in the world? Why doesn't God do something about it? Well, he has done something about it. He's given Jesus Christ to change our lives so that we don't have to walk in our evil ways anymore. The murderer doesn't have to be a murderer anymore. The perverse don't need to be perverse anymore. The liar don't need to lie anymore. 
The backbiter don't need a backbite anymore. But then he says this, And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Now in Romans it says, the, the fear of the Lord is not before their eyes. This is why there's evil in the world. You know, I, I have heard stories, you may have heard these stories, testimonies, so to speak, if, or, or read them or heard preachers talk about them, of somebody that they knew who, or maybe it was they themselves, who had something awful happen to them. A burglar came in and killed their parents. And they'll say, why didn't God do something? Why did, why did God allow that? Why didn't God stop that? They want God to stop it. God didn't allow it. Somebody just, somebody had two things. Number one, they rejected the regenerative work of Christ in their life to be saved from their sinful stealing ways. Why did that person lie about me and, and get me fired from my job? One I heard one time, you know, uh, uh, somebody who was a Christian, but they thought, but their, their daughter got raped and thought, well, if, if God would allow my daughter to be raped, why? Then there can't be a God that he would allow this to happen. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And here's the thing I'll say. Whether you're a murderer, a, a, a thief, or a rapist, or other type of per, perversion that you get into or sin you get into, those, are, those things even carry punishment by man. Man will give you punishment for that. They don't even care whether they get caught and put in jail for being a thief or a murderer or a, or a rapist or whatever they may be. They don't care what man's going to do to them. What do they care about eternal torment? What do they care about the smoke of their torment rising continually forever? But God has put that in the place. And so this is, this is why it troubles me. Since that's another reason. Why is there evil in the world? Because by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. They just don't fear the Lord. They don't fear the conse- they don't fear the consequences of man. What makes us think they're going to fear the consequences of God? And so when I hear a preacher say, well, I don't really preach on hell and sin and all that stuff because people have enough problems and they don't want to, they don't want to hear about stuff like that. I guess they watch their little child put, take, take a paper clip and stick it in a light sock and they don't say nothing. Cause they got enough problems. They don't want, no, they say, warning, warning, don't stick that paper clip in that light socket or you're going to be hurt. You're going to be tormented. You're going to be damaged. No, they warn them. Well, you know what? As a preacher, we and the church, we have the same rule. Yes, there is a place of eternal torment. You, you want to be liar? You want to be a liar? Get ready for the lake of fire. And it's going to be torment forever and forever and forever. I'll tell you, by the fear of the Lord, well, God's so merciful. Yes, God is merciful. 
But his mercy is not greater than his justice. He, he, all, all God's attributes are equal. One's not greater than the other. His power is not greater than his knowledge. His presence isn't greater than his power. They're all equal. God is God and he's wonderful in all of them. Every attribute that we know of him. And I'm going to say his love isn't stronger than his justice. And I don't know, maybe some of you here in this place, maybe you haven't, but maybe something happened to you. I, I mean, I know in this in our society, you see, you know, I'll see these people with the banner, justice for whoever got killed or whoever got something bad happened to them. And, they're say, and they don't like what happened. And they're saying, we want justice for this person. People want justice. Maybe something bad happened to you and somebody did something to you and they're laughing about it and they're, li- and, and they're living fine. They didn't get put in jail. They didn't get whatever. God's justice is still there. Nobody's get no evil is getting away with anything. God's justice and judgment is there. God loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him. If you don't want to believe in Him, fine. You are going to perish. You are going to experience the second death. Warning! Warning! It's not an annihilation. You're not going off to into nothing. No, but you will have eternal torment. And what is it that can destroy evil in this world? Something that preachers are saying, oh, well, people don't want to hear that. Well, of course they don't want to hear that. But that don't make it not true. That's exactly what they need to hear. You want to see the evil stopped in this world? Then let's start praying. Hey, there is a lake of fire. There is a lake of fire. And just like the devil will be tormented day and night forever and ever, so will you. You you want to be a thief? Well, I'll tell you what. You're going to be robbed from the presence of God forever. You want to be murderer? A murderer? Well, guess what? The second death will be your perishment. I told you it was nice when Ray sang and we were all happy. But I simply want to say, God's justice will be done. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. But he's so loving and so merciful. Yes, I'm going to get to that right now. But he's also just. And the hand will be required of the sinner and the wicked and the evil for what they've done. Nobody is getting away with anything. And if they, and if that message the church would preach, maybe Proverbs 16 would be fulfilled. And instead of saying, oh, this world's just getting worse and worse, maybe. By the fear of the Lord, men will depart from him.
evil. Like I said, it's two, two pronged. One, it's because they don't receive the goodness and love he's given. And number two, they don't fear the Lord and what he can do to them and what he will do them. But I'm not done. There's still a portion of that verse left. But have everlasting life. That means you don't perish. That means the second death has no place in you. So I'll expedite this. Let me just turn to Revelation again. I'll just continue from 20 to 21. Now this is for the believer. This is for the believer. I spent a whole lot of time talking about perishing. But I got a message for the believer. Because if you're a believer, you don't perish. There is no lake of fire for you. Hallelujah. Now we're going to get happy again. Ray, get ready to sing some more. (laughs) Revelation 21 verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Goodbye to it. Goodbye to this earth. I ain't going to miss it. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is what I wanted to bring out. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know there's not going to be any more high school kids crying because they got picked on in school. Nobody's going to be weeping because they've been abused by a, by a relative. And nobody's going to be weeping because somebody came in and murdered a loved one. That's gone. That... Just justice is served. And there shall be no more death. Anybody ever live with a loved one? Well, goodbye to that. That's gone. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Anybody have, ha, ever have pain? Anybody here in pain? It's probably about 90% of the congregation. Well, guess what, everlasting life? Now that's living. Living free from pain. Whether that's emotional pain or spiritual pain or even physical pain. Say goodbye to it. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he So count on it. God said it. And he said unto me, I, it is, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh, we got inheritance again, shall inherit all things. 
and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You see, that's where the life is. The, this is the record we have, that God has given us life, and eternal life, and this life is in his son. You want to, this is why you need to believe on him. Because I didn't have a right to heaven. I had the right to the lake of fire. It's where I belonged in my, all my wickedness. But you know what? Through the substitutionary, atoning, vicarious work of Jesus Christ, of what he did on the cross as the atoning sacrifice for my sin, God said, I will accept him in your place. I will accept him in your place. Oh, there ought to be at least 97. Thank you, Jesus. It's just on that right there. And when I had nothing but uh, the right to perish, he says, instead, you have, you're, you, you're in my son. So you are my son. For as many as receive him to them, he gives power to become the sons of God. For as many as believe on his name. And so if you believe on his name, no, you don't perish, but you have everlasting life in Christ Jesus. You can, I'll tell you, you'll be shouting, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb with the other 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands that are crying it because you're going to be so glad that you didn't, that you made it, and here's why you made it for a one and only one reason. Because He's worthy. Jesus Christ is worthy. I wasn't worthy, but praise God, He's made me worthy. By the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of His power that gives me life everlasting. Hallelujah. Yes, you got that right. <laughs> you got that right. Hallelujah. It simply means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You know, the next verse, I, I stopped because the next verse didn't talk about everlasting. He says, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Second death, perishing, perishing. That bunch, perishing. And we were some, we were some of those. But we're washed. We're changed. We're cleansed. I was going to say simply by believing on the Son, but it's not that simple. But the hard part, he did. He did. He bore the guilt. We bore that we bore, bear the mercy. See, the mercy and the justice go hand in hand. God, God doesn't take the justice away. God doesn't take the justice away. The punishment still had to be given. But it's on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. See, the justice is there. At the same time, the mercy is there. One doesn't overshadow the other. 
I'm going to have a hallelujah fit. <laughs> How can you not? Because, see, I'm too finite and I think, well, it's either, mer- it's either mercy or justice. No, it's both together. And where's the, where's the justice? All judgment is given to the Son. And where's the mercy? Life is in the Son, in His Son. The justice and the mercy is all in Jesus Christ. Oh, you gotta have, He loved us and said, here, I'll take care of the justice issue that I have by giving you mercy. There it is. Goodbye wickedness. All in Jesus Christ. So quit the wicked and love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, spirit and body, mind and body. And you'll have everlasting life. Father, I come in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just thank you.